1: Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Nine weeks after Jose Mourinho was sacked and Tottenham Hotspur finally have themselves a new manager. They reconnected with Pochettino, they curted Conte, they had a fling with Fonseca and they thought about gambling on Gattuso. But it's Nuno Espirito Santo who is the one former Wolverhampton Wanderers boss is he the right man for the Spurs job we'll discuss that news in North London as well as a little more on the now confirmed appointment of Rafa Benitez as Everton's new boss that's got the potential to combust with plenty of Evertonians not too impressed by the former Liverpool gaffers appointment staying in the North West and speaking of things taking a long time there's also some positive news for Manchester United fans Jadon Sancho is heading to Old Trafford after an 18 month chase 85 million euros. The Dortmund Mandel touch down in the Premier League after the European Championship. Could he help United be title challengers next season? All of that to come here on Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe now and you won't miss a podcast with a new show Monday to Friday, every day during the Euros. My name's Niall, alongside me today we've got Marley Anderson. How are you doing today Marley? Good morning.
2: Um, I very much like that yesterday I hosted the podcast and I was like, everybody's waiting for the Euros to sort of subside before appointing managers and everything like that. And then we had two yesterday. And one of the one of the things I said was, Haha, isn't it funny that Spurs still don't have one, and Palace and Everton look like they are, and out of the three of them, Spurs have finally pulled the finger out and finally got someone. So it's just Palace left, uh, left like um, it's like musical chairs when they're the ones left without a manager. So they'll probably, I, I honestly think they'll do it in the next week or so. So we'll see what they do, but yeah, finally for Spurs.
1: Also joining us, we've got Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports. How are you, Leon? I'm
0: doing good, Noel. Yeah. Um... I think these couple of days off from the Euros is actually quite refreshing. Um, You can take stock, see what's happened. Obviously, we've had eight last 16 games now. We're into the quarterfinal stages. And, wow, it's been a great tournament so far. I've really enjoyed it. And I think we're going to get some exciting quarterfinal matchups.
1: It's been tough to keep track of the managerial merry-go-round as well, hasn't it? In the Premier League, just kind of bubbling away in the background because the favourites seem to have changed every couple of days by the seams of it, particularly when it comes to Spurs.
0: Yeah, look, it's been crazy. And I mean, I think also for Everton um, and even for Crystal Palace. I mean, the three clubs that Marley just mentioned, every single one of those clubs has had numerous different favourites. And you just look at these Premier League clubs sometimes and you wonder how can you run it like this getting so close to pre-season before actually getting your man and look they've got two in now nuno going to tottenham rafa going to everton um i think certainly with rafa benitez it's a brave choice from everyone concerned with the decision from the leading shareholder to rafa himself it's obviously split the fan base 50 50. nuno i think actually spurs fans will appreciate his kind of style of football. Um, I thought he'd done a remarkable job at Wolverhampton um, Wanderers Football Club. I think last year losing his main striker, losing a couple of other first team key players. It was tough for him at Wolves last year, but let's not forget to bring Wolves to finish seventh back to back in the Premier League. That's a remarkable achievement and to get them promoted in the first place. So he's a good manager. And I think the way he plays football, I think Spurs fans, you're probably going to see the three centre-halves, which actually might suit them. I think they've got a couple of decent wing-backs. But the most important thing for Tottenham Hotspur fans is, if Kane goes, we probably think he will. Is all that money going to be given to Nuno with a bit added so we can rebuild that squad? Because I think Tottenham Hotspur fans now realise it's going to take a little bit of time to get the club back.
1: Yeah, let's get stuck into that news that Tottenham Hotspur have appointed Nuno Espirito Santo. We will have a... a Premier League-focused podcast today. It's one of those rare fallow days in the Euros. Of course, England are in quarter final action in Euro 2020 against Ukraine. That takes place on Saturday, and we'll talk about that later on this week. But there's been plenty of Premier League news, the biggest of which comes from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and it is Nuno Esprito-Santo. Leon's kind of outlined his initial thoughts on Santo taking the job. Marley, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I'm just glad they finally found someone, because um, it was getting... It's getting to a joke. I couldn't. I could not keep up with who they were, um, who they were close to getting. Because at one point it was, it was really really close to Fonseca, and we were talking about it on the podcast and all the rest of it. Then it was close to Gattuso, and by the time everyone heard that it was close to Gattuso, the actual move was off because they decided against him as soon as he he left um, Fiorentina after twenty three days or whatever it is. So. The entire thing's just been crazy, and then even even the last couple of days, we all thought that was Nuno uh, Nuno Santo was going to Fenerbahce and taking their vacant manager's role, um, and mm. it, that seemed to fit because you know we'd, we'd all heard about Santos
1: um, is a million yeah. backroom staff on big yeah. wages. And,
2: <laughs> you know, you thought, oh well, you know, they've they've finally been another club to to decide against that because of that reason, but then you think. If if anyone's going to have your pants down, um, you know, allow their pants to be pulled down about a, a big wage budget it's probably Spurs because they're getting to that desperate point now where preseason starts, what on Monday, whatever it is, and someone's got to be there to lead them because Ryan Mason is somehow still in charge up until yesterday. So it's um it's a really weird situation. But as as for him as a coach, I think it's a decent appointment. Um, I think when he was getting linked with the Crystal Palace job. Towards the early early part of the summer before the Euros, I thought that was a that was a step down that he didn't deserve. Um, I think as Leon outlined there, you know, seventh place finish on your first um, season back in the Premier League, and then to back it up and you know get rid of that second season syndrome tag um, and finish seventh again, and then I mean yes they finished was it thirteenth last season or whatever it was, but there's there's very very obvious reasons why they finished thirteenth um and it was because of the fact that they lost Doherty in the in the summer and he was a big part of the way they played and even though they signed a replacement from Barcelona it didn't really work out you could if you were being harsh you could probably pin that on Nuno Santo and say okay you you're in charge of um recruitment to some extent so you should have got that better but what you can't pin on him is the amount of injuries they had because him and his horror smash you know he, he could have he could have died in that game um, quite easily, um, he's lucky to even be alive. Never mind um, play again. So, you know, he that was that's a huge part of of them um, their their struggles last season. And then there was injuries to Podence and Pedro Neto and Johnny Otto, and it was just a disaster season, really. So, I kind of thought he was unlucky to lose his job in the first place at, at, at Wolves, but I think it was a bit mutual. Um, and I'm glad he got the the step up because the the things he's done with Wolves certainly deserve. Um, A slight step up and, you know, from a team that's finished seventh two out of the last three years to a
1: team that's trying to get in the top six is the natural progression for me. You've both mentioned the injury to Raul Jimenez, which was obviously a horror injury, as Marley said, and a key factor as to probably why Wolves weren't as effective as they were uh, a couple of seasons before now. Daniel Levy was said to be not keen on Santo initially as he didn't think he was attacking enough and that kind of brings into play what Marley was just saying there about that mutual split between Nuno and Wolverhampton Wanderers. The ownership there at Wolves were keen to take the club in a different direction. Is that fair to suggest that Santo isn't an attacking enough manager. it's Fabio Paratici, the sporting director who's kind of sanctioned disappointment at Tottenham rather than Daniel levy he's kind of been persuaded to, to give Santo the green light. Do you think that that idea that last season they kind of lost their attack in Spark Leon was purely down to the fact that they did lose such a key player in Jimenez and also you know Triore wasn't as effective and they did lose a couple of players in the summer as well. I
0: think that was a huge part of it, but also he tried to change the system last season to to try and play four at the back to actually sometimes try and due to personnel and due to the players that you've mentioned that were missing he tried to change it up a bit but i just go back to when he had a full complement of his players and i used to i used to enjoy watching em nuno sides play football they were very hard to play against i remember a couple of games against liverpool where it was toe-to-toe end-to-end both sides trying to get on the ball, get the ball out wide, get the balls into the box. And I think someone like Jimenez was pivotal to the way Nuno wanted to play. And that's why he had the three at the back because even if you look at Traore, a lot of his assists were directly associated with Raul Jimenez. They linked up remarkably well. So when you lose that kind of key focal point of your side, it does take away a lot of your attacking threat. And Wolves, unfortunately, they didn't have anyone else to come in and score those 15 to 18 Raul Jimenez Premier League goals. And you take that out of any side, it's hard to try and replicate that. I mean, you'll find out if Harry Kane leaves Tottenham Hotspur, where are they going to replace his 25 goals a season? It's a very difficult task to do. So I think there was a lot of circumstances that maybe fans viewed Nuno as being a little bit negative but I don't see that I actually think if he's got decent players which I think he still has at Spurs even if they lose Kane his recruitment is going to be pivotal there was a lot of Portuguese players signed at his time uh, at Wolves I think he's got to start going outside that box a little bit I think he's got to be looking at now some proven Premier League players who would want to go to Tottenham Hotspur that he can fit into his style of play but I actually think the personnel at Spurs at the moment, I think they're suited better to three at the back. And I think in Doherty and Regalon, I think they've got two very, very good wing backs. And one player that I know will be delighted that he's come is Matt Doherty because he kind of fell out with Jose Mourinho. I think Nuno gets the best from him. And when he was playing with Wolves and played nearly every single game, he was one of the best attacking threats in the Premier League. He was a joy to watch up and down that right-hand side. So I'd be I'd be happy that Santo um, Nuno is coming to um, Spurs. And I think you've got to give him a bit of time, though. And this is a big point that I want to make. A lot of Spurs fans will be hoping that he hits the ground running, that it's going to be just Nuno's the quick fix. It's not. This is going to take a bit of time. That club needs a bit of stability. And I think they've only given him a two-year contract, which is... A little bit worrying, you'd say he's got two years okay to prove himself, maybe two full seasons is enough, but I hope they give him a bit of money and let's see how he goes.
1: Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one and I'm keen to see how Nuno Espirito Santo kind of takes on the pressure and the expectations of Tottenham. We'll talk about that in a second, Marley, but as we suggested earlier, two months it's taken Tottenham to find a replacement for Jose Mourinho. Do you think the length of that search will have any impact on the season ahead, especially with most players at the Euros and pre-season starting on Monday? It feels like they've almost had to get a manager in now and time it now, because if they had waited any longer, it would have affected the preparations for next season.
2: Um, I think they've got it just in time, to be honest. Um, You know, you can't be starting pre-season without a manager. That's just, that is, you know, self-destruction at its finest. It's not something I would put past Spurs, if I'm honest, but um, I think they've got it just in time. However, I think with, you know, because it took, you know, 10 weeks or nine weeks, I think a lot of a lot of players that are thinking about their future. Um, it makes their decision easier. For example, Harry Kane is is widely expected to leave, but it's not inconceivable that he could stay. But the fact that it took Tottenham ten weeks to get a manager in, you know, it kind of says to him that, um, well, it kind of says that a lot of managers don't want to come if they're not going to be managing Harry Kane and they're not fancying that challenge. But also, it's probably th- saying to Kane like. If they can't get a proper manager, you know, there's no guarantees over whether they're going to get a quality one, and, and therefore I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna push through this move and leave. And then now they've got Santo. I'm not sure he's, he's a big enough name to keep the likes of Harry Kane and, and guarantee success sort of thing. If if they somehow manage to hire a, a a Conte or or someone like that, then you can you can almost say okay, I'll give it one last shot. But with Santo, even though he's a good manager, I still think that Kane will probably be like, okay, I'm still gonna go. It's not quite big enough to to make me change my mind on that. So, I think that in in total, they've, they've just about got him in time because the the players don't come back till sometime around Monday. So, you're looking at that and thinking, well, as long as he can get his manager, his uh, his thoughts and his his initial feelings over pretty quickly and straight away, then you know
1: you haven't you haven't uh, hamstrung yourself too much. Santo obviously is going to have to deal with higher expectations at Tottenham than he will do at Wolves. Leon, do you think he's got enough about him to be able to deal with that pressure? Because inevitably, a club like Tottenham should be striving to get into the top four, finishing in the Champions League, and ultimately win a trophy. Something which is still hanging over them—the fact that they haven't won a trophy in such a long time. Do you think they'll be able to deal with those expectations?
0: I think he's got a bit about him, yes. But um, saying that Tottenham Hotspur are, are, are should be in the top four now. I don't think they're good enough, if I'm being brutally honest. They don't have the squad that, in my opinion, will get into the top four next season. And I think if he finishes top six, that's what should be his remit for his first year in charge. And Spurs fans who believe that he should get them straight back into Champions League football, I think they're a little bit delusional. Because if you look at the sides that are ahead of you, they're all going to strengthen. And the top four, for me, is going to be the same as it was last season. I think it's going to be City, Liverpool, United and Chelsea. And Spurs just fall below that. And so Nuno, I don't know what they're expecting in the first year, but I think if they finish fifth or sixth for his first season in charge, that would be a good start to his Spurs career. And trying to win that first trophy, yes. Look, they had a chance. They made a bold move sacking Mourinho right before a League Cup final against Man City. I have to say I was quite baffled by that decision because no matter how much you'd fallen out with Mourinho and it was clear that the cracks were there, he wasn't going to be there on a long-term basis leading up to that final. But he is a proven match winner and he's a proven winner in one-off games. So for Spurs and Daniel Levy to have made that decision just before that final, they've got to take the responsibility with that one. Yes, they want to try and win something. But as we know, it's becoming harder and harder each season because City, to their credit, they always treat the League Cup with the utmost respect because he's got such a plethora of players to choose from. And when they're going for something, it's very hard for a Spurs-like club Sorry, it's very hard for a club like Spurs to ever try and win it. Now, even Liverpool, even United, it's hard when City are going all out to win something. So, expectations from everyone around Tottenham Hotspur have got to be level-headed. In my opinion, fifth or sixth, a very good first season.
1: Like you say, Leon, Mourinho sacked before that League Cup final, which Tottenham eventually did lose to Manchester City. Do you think Nuno Espirito Santo, Mali, would be given as much time as Mourinho maybe more time than Mourinho what's your thoughts on the length of time that he'll be given to kind of operate and, and do the job that Tottenham fans want him to do
2: uh, I think he'll get enough time um, he's got to show progression obviously he's got to show that he's doing something um, but I think I think there's an acceptance from everyone around Spurs that these next well this next season is going to be tough depending on what happens in this summer so um, you, you've got to you've got to allow for that because no manager could come in and and instantly plug all the holes that are in the Spurs ship right now because it's you know it's going the way of the Titanic they've already hit the iceberg they they're on the way down at the minute they need someone to to bail out the water and to keep them sort of competitive if if they can because at the minute they're going backwards um, with with the news about Kane wanting to leave Son might might go he's only got a, a year in a bit on his contract as well. Um, so there's plenty of work to do so you have to allow for that In I, I think so um, with with Santo I think he won't rock the boat as much as Mourinho did no but it's physically impossible to rock a boat like Jose Mourinho did because you know Mourinho's Mourinho is self-destructive and, and all the rest of it <laughs> so Santo will be you know streets away from that um, and I think as long as he does that he's he'll get he'll get a, a, a fair crack of the whip sort of thing because He's on a two-year contract. That—that's the only thing that slightly worries me. It—it it, it hints to everyone that they're not massively sure about Santo. Usually, you see managers signing four years or three years. Um, Santo on a two-year—I mean, it's barely any compensation compared to what Spurs have been used to in the last couple of uh, couple of seasons. So, it's
1: so because the, the, of that forty-five backroom staff members he's got. They can't <laughs> afford to give any longer than
0: two. Hundred yes. percent, yeah. I mean, what
2: was was Mourinho paid thirty million? Oh, Christ! Once you pay uh, Santo out with ten million, you're probably looking at another twenty for all his uh, all his staff. You know, his personal flipping. I don't know whatever he's flipping. got. Yeah, his personal <laughs> chef, all the rest. Yeah. So, God knows what that uh, that'll cost you. But it's it's definitely a sign of you know we're not massively sure about this. And I'm you know if he does well in the first year, he'll probably get another two year deal, but.
1: You know That's a long way away because he's got a hell of a mm. lot on his plate, so it's probably a good job. He has a few assistants to help him share that load. <laughs> Just finally on this one then, Leon, Sanzo has got the nod. You were a big advocate for Maurizio Pochettino returning to Tottenham. You've said men- many times on Football Social Daily over the last month or two that... Tottenham have to get this appointment right. We've seen multiple candidates. We've already named a few. Gattuso, Fonseca, Antonio Conte. Do you think any of them would have been a better choice?
0: I would have stuck with Poch, yes, because he knows the club inside out. And as Marley said, it's a club that's not going up. It's going down at the moment in terms of level of performance on the football field. So getting Poch back, it was, you know, he could have hit the ground running immediately. It's a big job for whoever took it back on. Um, Make no mistake about it, because if you lose Kane, Spurs become um, one of those sides that you're talking about in the middle of the table. And that's, you know, and that's just the facts. If you take Harry Kane's goals out of any side, they're going to suffer a lot of points and they're going to not win as many games as they would have. So I'm looking at it. I like Nuno. I think there is a bit about him. I thought he'd done a tremendous job at Wolves, but I just hope that the expectations of everyone around that football club are realistic and that he gets a little bit of time to impose his style on his team. But I think Spurs fans, out of some of the names that were being mentioned, I'd rather have Nuno. He knows the league. He spent a good few years there now. He's seen a lot of teams play. He's seen a lot of styles. He knows exactly what to expect. And I think that's a major, major plus. If Spurs had brought someone in from the cold, someone who had not have worked in the Premier League before, I thought that would have been an absolute disaster waiting to happen. So I think this is a huge positive for them.
1: Tottenham Hotspur have appointed Nuno Esprito Santo as their new manager after a long, long wait. And talking of managers who know the league inside out and also the rivalry between Everton and Liverpool inside out, Rafa Benitez has been confirmed as the new manager at Goodison Park. We'll talk more about that next here on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast, I'm Niall, I've got Leon and Marley alongside me, and we touched upon this one yesterday, but it was confirmed in between the recording of yesterday's podcast and today's podcast, so we know for certain now that Rafael Benitez has been confirmed as the new Everton manager. Of course, he most recently managed in the Premier League at Newcastle United, Marley's club, and he also won the Champions League and the FA Cup with Leon's club Liverpool. So we've got the right people in the punditry chairs today to talk about this one. We spoke about it on yesterday's show. It's confirmed now, Marley. Is this the biggest risk that Farhad Mashiri has ever taken as Everton owner and that includes moving away from their historic home of Goodison because they've got a new stadium on the horizon it's a big big call there
2: it's it's almost as big as paying 30 million quid for Alexi Iwobi so uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah it is it is it's it's by far the biggest Um, not in terms of will he succeed because I think if he's given the right tools he'll definitely succeed but it's just it's the fan thing for me, isn't it? You know, it's 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 what it's always going to come down to. I think you mentioned yesterday, didn't you? That uh, you know, it's 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 just you're you're giving yourself more work to do when you start with the fans on on uh, on the wrong side of you. Yeah. You know, they already they already hate you. It's like it's like having a hundred and ten meter hurdle race, and everyone's got ten hurdles to jump, and you've got twelve um, because you've just got to work so much harder from and, and get it right from the start because. You know, if they lose that first game, even then it'll be it'll be vitriolic, it'll be a horrific mood around Goodison and, and on social media and all the rest of it. But I think if they got behind him it, it can work. I mean, it's done now. You can't do anything about it. Um, you can no longer protest that he shouldn't come because he's already there. So is it time now for for Everton fans to say, Okay, you've got six months to prove yourself, otherwise we're we're gonna be hammering on your door and and, you know, Sending you all sorts of horrific threats that we've seen mm. on on social media and everything else, and the police are investigating all that and loads of other stuff that we probably haven't even heard about. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a massive risk, um, but it's one that he's taken. So now we've got to see whether it pays off.
1: Benitez is only the second ever manager Leon to take charge of both Everton and Liverpool. The first was Everton's first ever manager, William Edward Barkley, in the 1890s, who then went on to manage oh, yeah, Liverpool Something, something, yeah, seven or so years later. He used to, he used to play a, a terribly negative style of football. <laughs> well, he's in good company then, isn't he? With Rafa Benitez. No, I'm joking. Um, to be fair, we've seen plenty of players, and Ian mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, we've seen plenty of players cross the Stanley Park divide, Everton, Liverpool and vice versa. This is only the second ever time a manager has done that. Rafa's going to need a thick skin, isn't he, Leon? Do you think he can cope?
0: Oh, there's no doubt he's got thick skin. He's um he's taken on a lot of difficult jobs um, throughout his career. Um, he's a very, very good manager. Um, I think his record kind of speaks for itself. I kind of obviously look back a little bit of uh, his time at Tenerife and then obviously Valencia before he got the job at Liverpool. And I think probably... The job he really um, was able to manage at Valencia to kind of knock Madrid and Barcelona off their perch, Um, that takes some doing. And then to come into Liverpool, obviously, and win a Champions League, win an FA Cup, probably should have won a Premier League, if I'm being totally honest in terms of my kind of reflection on him as a manager at Anfield, a little bit too negative. I think it was six or seven draws in that 09 season that probably cost him, but then when you look at what he done he went into chelsea they didn't want him. the chelsea fans certainly did not want rafa benitez anywhere near that football club after what he had done with liverpool with the rivalry with Mourinho, when he was in charge of chelsea there was a huge rivalry there between those two and for him to go uh, to chelsea win um, a europa league he went to napoli he won the coppa italia So in terms of what you're looking at Benitez and what he can bring to Everton, he's able to not go to just the top clubs in each of the divisions that he goes to, but he brings trophies. And I think Everton fans are dying for a trophy. They're absolutely crying out for some type of silverware. And I think with Benitez as well, he is a winner. And the fixture list has been quite good to him In terms of the first six games, Southampton, Everton, um, Southampton, Leeds, Brighton, Burnley, Villa and Norwich. Now, if you offered an incoming manager six games, that wouldn't be a bad start. Your first game is at home against Southampton. And football fans, I'm one and I'm quite fickle at times. If he gets off to a good start, this is what will either make or break Rafa Benitez, I believe, at Goodison Park. Because... There is a split, 50% don't want him, 50% are willing to give him a try. And I think with those fixtures, if he can build up a little bit of momentum, transfer market is gonna be key as well. I'm sure Benitez has gone in there with the promise of some funds. And as we know, the Everton owner is not afraid to splash the cash. It hasn't been splashed brilliantly, but if Benitez can get the right type of player in there, the one thing about him is he is a winner. And he's done it all throughout his career when he's gone to lesser clubs in the divisions. So I think Everton fans, don't judge him just yet. You can only judge Benitez on what he does on the park. And I'll tell you what, it's a brave call, as I said at the top of the show, from everybody involved in this particular decision. But I'm glad Duncan Ferguson is being kept on. I'm glad Alan Kelly is being kept on as a goalkeeping coach. So he's not getting rid of everyone. And I think that's a very shrewd move by whoever made the decision. Maybe they made a collective decision. But to keep an icon like Ferguson, to keep a guy like Alan Kelly, who has huge respect in that football club, that can be a good starting point.
1: I'll tell you what Everton could have another 15 managers and Duncan Ferguson will still be there because everyone's too scared to tell him to, <laughs> that he's not got a job
2: anymore. Um it's a good job it's a good job he's still there as well because he's going to be part-time assistant, part-time bodyguard because if anyone goes <laughs> if anyone tries it with Rafa, Duncan's going to be in there and just <laughs> clattering A Few around, Glasgow so.
1: kisses dished out by old Duncan Ferguson I think. Um, he'll be in prison by Christmas <laughs> again. <laughs> um Everton's owner Farhad Mashiri has been speaking on national radio this morning about this appointment. He said, Rafa was as passionate a manager at Liverpool as he was at Napoli or as Valencia manager or Real Madrid manager. The man is in love with the city of Liverpool, not so much a particular club before he joined us. What do Liverpool fans, fans think, Leon? Do they care? You're obviously a Liverpool supporter. What's the kind of general gist from their fan base?
0: I think it's probably split as well. Um, I think... The whole city of Merseyside is split right down the middle, and beneath is if you're a red or you're a blue. Some Liverpool fans, in my opinion, are going a bit over the top, saying it's it's an act of treason. It's um, how can he ever go there in football? Nothing surprises me. And if there's a job that he's getting well paid for, that he wants to go and have a challenge, you must remember he's never actually sold his family home. So he's always kept it there. So maybe he does have a huge affinity with the city, but this is a big challenge. And I think with Benitez, maybe over the last kind of couple of years, where did he go off to China? Was it made a lot of money over there? But this is a proper challenge. This is back into the Premier League, a league he knows extremely well. And it's a sleeping giant, Everton, in a way. They've got the move to the new stadium. They've got a very wealthy owner. They've got a fantastic fan base but they're just crying out for some silverware. And I think Benitez will also be acutely aware of that. I would actually look at Everton at at, at having a really strong goal in the two domestic cup competitions because Benitez will want to try and get something on the board as, as, as soon as he possibly can. And I think he will get funds. Liverpool fans are looking at him at the moment as well, thinking what's going to happen when they play Liverpool, if I'm being brutally honest, because Benitez is very good in a one-off game against any side. I remember a long time ago when we went to the new Camp and he picked Arbaloa left full and he had never picked him as a left full, but he picked him as a left full to try and nullify Messi cutting in on his left foot. And Arbaloa had one of the best games I've ever seen him play for Liverpool. And it just showed me that Benitez, his attention to detail i think is extremely important and i think everton fans are going to see a manager who doesn't please all his players he's not one that's going to give you a big hug but i'll tell you what if they start getting results it won't matter a tap but liverpool fans we've got bigger things to be worried about we've got to try and get our um club back on track after a disappointing season last year yes there was mitigating circumstances they got into the top four And Liverpool fans, I think, will be fully focused on what we do. And once the season starts, we'll keep an eye on what's happening across the park. But it won't matter too much.
1: Let's get this right. Carlo Ancelotti was tempted by the Everton job because he was being paid the most of any manager in world football. There's no two ways about that. And obviously, he would say he was excited about the project. And it is an exciting project at Everton. And I think you're right, Leon. There is definitely a tendency for them to be labelled sleeping giants. They haven't won a trophy since 1995. They do have an excellent fan base. They are a solid Premier League side, new stadium on the way. What's a realistic target for Everton next season under Rafa Benitez compared to Carlo Ancelotti? Marley, do you think that they'll stay the same, those expectations? Because... They got off to such a good start in the Premier League last season. They were top of the table for the first six or seven weeks of the campaign. And in the end, they ended up finishing 10th, which was a pretty poor drop-off in form, really, considering where they were. They were in the hunt for the European places for the majority of the season. Do you think the expectations for Rafa will be the same as what they were under Ancelotti? Uh, Yeah,
2: probably. Um, I think, you know, one one stat that, that stuck out to me... Um, last season was, was when I was doing one of the previews um, for an everything game towards the end of the season and I worked out that if they'd their away form alone would have them second in the league if they could have matched their home form to their away form they, they'd have finished second in the Premier League behind uh, Manchester City so that almost proves that they're kind of halfway there they, they didn't have as bad a season as it might have initially looked um, and I think the the lack of fans really hindered them at home um probably more so than a lot of other a lot of other teams because if you think of how they thought of their manager last season Everton fans they all loved him they were all behind him if you look at like Newcastle as as a as a um comparison you know most of us hate our manager so the atmosphere would have been completely different and completely positive and and spurred on Everton to get i think 10 15 more points um so when you look at that, I think there's there's definitely things to work on there, work with, sorry, um, and a stepping stone to be there. But in terms of expectations, I don't think I don't think the top six is is out of the question. I think sixth is there for the taking. If you look at who's um, who's in the running for it, you know you've got your, your guys at the top, you know Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Then you probably look at Leicester, and then other than them. You know, from there down, it's anyone's game, really. I think because Arsenal uh, are Arsenal, they're dropping off, and they're, they've got problems and all the rest of it. There's no guarantee about Spurs if they lose Kane. Um, about Santo, if if that doesn't quite work initially, there's there's a, a march to be stolen there almost. And then you're in the you're in the mix with Leeds and Aston Villa, and you know can can Everton say we're better than them? I, I think they they can realistically go well if there are competition we fancy this and we fancy finishing 8th at a minimum um 6th is not out of the question in in my opinion if he can get them well drilled and as if you know anything about Rafa Benitez you'll get them well drilled um and if you can add a couple of bits of quality here and there in in the summer of which they've got the transfer budget to do um i think i think he could he could succeed there it's just all about fan expectation because you know i just mentioned about how Everton fans were completely behind uh ancelotti but weren't able to to go and f- express that by watching the team every week it's the exact opposite now so something has to uh something has to give uh, either success or or benitez
1: you know being chewed up by the uh, by the fans Rafa Benitez, the new Everton manager. Plenty of fireworks expected, I'm sure, as this one progresses in the start of the new season. is just over a month away, so I'm really keen to see how this one pans out. He is the new Everton manager. He has said some interesting things about Everton in the past, let's just say, but he is the new boss at Goodison Park, and so it will be make for interesting viewing to say the least that's it for the managers on today's podcast I'm sure we'll talk about Patrick Vieira to Crystal Palace at some point again in the next couple of days because that looks like it's set to be confirmed any day now as well but we're going to move on from managers and on to transfers Jadon Sancho to Manchester United looks like it's finally been agreed we'll talk about it next here on Football Social Daily Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Niall, alongside me, Marley and Leon and Jaden Sancho to Manchester United is where we're going to head to now in part three of the show because it's taken ages for Manchester United to get this deal over the line. There's been interest there for around 18 months and finally he's agreed to move to Manchester United, Jaden Sancho, for €85 million euros from Borussia Dortmund. It's a long-term deal. It's likely to be confirmed after Euro 2020 finishes, or at least until England are knocked out of the tournament. It's never official until it's announced by the club, of course, but it is looking very, very likely. How big a piece of business is this from Manchester United, Leon? Because it's one they've had their eye on for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've got their man. Um, so they've stuck at it. They obviously, there was a lot of talk about him moving last summer. and um, They've after saving themselves a right few quid in terms of what they bid last year and what the... Reported fee is going to be this time around. Sancho is an exciting prospect, and there's no doubt about that. He he brings a lot of pace. He brings a lot of unpredictability. And defenders don't like the type of player that he is because he runs at them. He gets in behind them. He he's got them always looking over their shoulder. And he's an exciting player. And um, there are risks, however, with. Jaden Sancho, still in my point of view, the Premier League is a more physical league than the Bundesliga. He's gonna be up against it most weeks, and he's still a young player. And with these price tags with young players, it does bring pressure. The players might say it's you know it's not me who's who's setting the fee, but the players know exactly how much they've moved for. And it's a move back to manchester of course he's going now to the red side having been let go by the blue side over to dortmund so that's a big that's a big aspect of this entire transfer but what can he bring to man united he can bring something that i feel that they might just be lacking a little bit i i i'm looking at marcus rashford and i know he's had his problems sancho can play on the left He can play on the right. I know they've been playing Greenwood out on the right. He likes to cut in with his left foot. But is Mason Greenwood, with the arrival of Sancho, if Harry Kane doesn't go to Old Trafford, which it's appearing more and more likely that he's not going to go, does Greenwood get an opportunity to start playing some games as a number nine? And that's going to be very interesting to see. So I think what he does give, he gives Oli Gunnar Solskjaer way more options up the front end of the pitch. He's going to bring a lot of competition for places because when you're brought in for this type of money, you're going to go into the team and you're going to be given time in the team because you don't spend this type of money on a player like him without giving him a proper, proper go to establish himself. So it's good for Man United fans that they've got another attacking threat, but I still believe there are question marks over Sancho. He's showing plenty of ability. The German media were absolutely flabbergasted how he wasn't being picked by Gareth Southgate. So time will tell, but he's an exciting prospect. They've got him for a lot cheaper than they would have done 12 months ago. So if you're Man United, if you're a director, if you're an owner, if you're only going to Solskjaer, you're happy. And if you're if you're a fan, you've got to be excited by the arrival of Jadon Sancho.
1: Yeah, Sancho currently with the England squad ahead of their. Euro 2020 quarterfinal against Ukraine on Saturday and Boyle Sports have a great offer on all England games throughout the Euros and it looks like there could be a couple more yet if things go Gareth Southgate's way. A £10 no-lose bet. Check it out on the Boyle Sports app or website. If you stake £10 on any market, on any England game, and that bet loses, you'll get the money refunded to your account in the form of a free bet. 18 plus, T's and C's apply, bet responsibly, be gambleaware.org. As I say, you can find all the latest information on the Sports app and website. Back to Jaden Sancho now, though. United took their time with this deal, Marley, much like they did with Bruno Fernandes before. Almost a very similar timeline. They were looking at Bruno Fernandes for a good 12 to 18 months before they signed him. They've saved £25 on Jadon Sancho by biding their time. He was valued at over £100 by Borussia Dortmund last summer. That seems to have dropped this summer, whether that's to do with the market being impacted by coronavirus or other factors, we're not too sure. But do you think Jadon Sancho will have the same impact that Bruno Fernandes did? Because it's hard to think of a United player in recent memory that has made such an impression in the way that Bruno Fernandes did when he arrived from Sporting in Portugal. So... He's only twenty-one. I think it's important to mention that. But but do you think that Sancho will have a similar impact? Uh, I think I think it's hard to have a similar impact because Man
2: United are so different now to where they were when Bruno came to the club. I think they were they weren't dangerous when when Sancho um, when Fernandez signed for Man United. They weren't attacking wise. You you didn't fear them, and they they didn't seem to have much of a clue. Um, and they didn't have much of a, a sort of playmaker, and that, that's why they were they were crying out for him. And I think once they got him, he was everything that, that the fans wanted him to be and more. Um, and he started. He had the character, and he was he had the talent and the ability and the application, and he was perfect. So I think putting Sancho in that team alongside Fernandez is more of a compliment, uh, like a complimentary thing to. To Fernandez, you're adding another piece of a jigsaw rather than so, like Fernandez was like the keystone in in a house or a bridge. He was the one; it was massively important. So then, I think Sancho compared to that is like just somebody who can help uh, more, take a bit of the pressure off him, give it give another dimension to Man United's attack um, when they eventually confirm him. Um, so I think it's it's just Man United are in a different p- p- uh, place as a club. As opposed to when he signed Fernandez, but it it, it can still have a similar impact. Um, it just won't. I don't think it'll be as noticed as quite as much because Man United are being su- relatively successful um, anyway now. So with with Sancho coming in, it can hopefully lead to more success for Man United. Um, and yeah, I think you know the the money they've they've got in for is I think it's, it's looking like seventy five million plus add-ons. I think that's that's about right for a fee, um, I, I don't think it's too much, I don't think it's too little, I think they're, they're just about on the head with that, so we'll have to see what uh, how Dortmund cope without him and, and whether he can make the impact that he has in Germany, because he's absolutely lit that league on fire and you know he's proved himself to be one of the best wingers in Europe, so even though he can't get in the England team at the minute behind the plethora of of wingers and attacking midfielders England have got right now it doesn't really take much away from his ability because he's been uh, he's been ripping it up in Bundesliga for the last two years
1: I think Dortmund will be alright they have a good knack of yeah. signing replacements don't they they always seem to have another one off the production line they're already
2: they're already talking about um i think it's doniel marlin from psv so mm. i mean they've almost like made the plans yeah i mean do have been here before this is what they do they, they buy players and
1: sell them on for huge fees and normally to buy a munich <laughs> <laughs> yeah normally true. to buy a munich um obviously leon's already mentioned he's only a 21 year old he's never played premier league football before so it is probably right it will take him a bit of time to adapt, or he might hit the ground running. We just don't know. However, I'm just wondering what you think, Marley, in terms of how much closer this possibly pushes Manchester United to a title challenge next season. Because reports, as we're recording the podcast, suggesting that they're closing in on a deal for Raphael Varane as well, the French central defender. So that would be another good capture.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure about. I can't. I can't see them signing both of those players this in this in this one summer, but. You know, if, if they're close to it and they do it, then then fantastic because they definitely need another centre back to go alongside Maguire. Um, I can I can't see Real Madrid losing Ramos and Varane in the same summer. I think that's absolutely, you know, it's a, that's a ridiculous decision to go from you know centre backs like that they've won everything in the game to having just Eda Militao it's just—it is just, Real Madrid, though. Just looking around, you know. You know, that, be surprised like that John Travolta meme where he's just looking around the living room and no one's there. That is <laughs> Eddie Ed Milić right now, going, "Where, where the hell's all our defenders gone? Who am I going to play with this season?" So, yeah, it's it's a weird one. If they do let him go, I personally can't see that happening. I think they'll they'll sort out some sort of um, last minute extension for him. But um, I mean, if Man United did get him. If you look at it on a on a sort of transfer basis, they've finished second to Man City last year. Um, Man City have lost Aguero and not yet replaced him. Um, I know there's rumours about people coming in, but as of right now, they've not replaced him. And as of right now, Man United look like they're signing Sancho. And if they can add Varane to it, then that's two massive improvements compared to City's minus one. So unless until City signs someone like Haaland or Kane or Grealish, then... As as of right now, the gap can only close. Really, you, you would think the logic would suggest it, the gap can only close, um, but yeah, that all depends on City breaking out the chequebook and and uh, signing someone ridiculous like Grealish or Harland or Kane. So. It could all, all of them, <laughs> very quick. yeah, all, all the <laughs> lot,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, confirmed, but not announced. I think is the line we'll go with when it comes to Jaden Sancho to Manchester United, eighty-five million euros, which is around, I think, seventy-eight million pounds, something in that territory. It's a long-term deal from Borussia Dortmund. So good news for Manchester United fans. Let me read you this list of free agents around Europe, Leon, because we're going to talk about a rather notable one in a moment. Donnarumma, Chiellini, Ramos, Jerome Boateng, David Luiz, Juan Mata, Ribéry, Diego Costa, Hatem Ben Arfa and Lionel Messi. Oh, that's some pretty big names on that list. Um, Apparently 127 major trophies between those players for club and country, which is just absolutely remarkable. And uh, not to mention plenty of those from Lionel Messi, who has officially become a free agent at the expiry of his Barcelona contract. He is officially out of contract. Always, as ever, lots of speculation and rumour when it comes to Messi. City have been linked multiple times. But we've seen this before, Leon. We've seen rumours that Messi could be on his way out of the camp now on multiple occasions. Do you think there is any chance he moves on or do you think this this could actually be it?
0: Um, I personally don't think he'll be moving on. No, Niall. Um, I think he'll he uh, he'll be playing football with Barcelona next season. Um, Aguero's gone to join him. I'm sure Messi was a big player. Um, in terms of Aguero going there, I don't think he's gone anywhere. And um, Barca do this so many times with him. We all thought uh, he was definitely leaving. He was gonna to go to Man City. Um, I don't think he's gonna to go to Man City. What is he now? Thirty four? Is it? Is that how old Messi mm. is now? So. I mean I don't see him going to Man City, I see him signing maybe a two year contract with Barcelona. Um, and then maybe heading off to maybe Miami or something like that, like to link up with Beckham. But I think he'll um I think he'll have two more years with Barcelona. I don't see him moving anywhere else.
1: Some mad names though, Leon, on that list I just read out. I mean that's a you could you could put together a strong strong European sort of all stars team just from those names of players that are out of contract.
0: Oh, you certainly could. And look, I mean, when players' contracts go down and they run out, they know that there's a lot of money on offer for signing on for whatever club they actually go to. I've always been a huge fan of Frank Ribery. Um, I just think he's an exceptionally talented footballer, right foot, left foot. Um, I loved watching him at Bayern Munich. Um, I thought he was a little bit underrated, um, if I'm being honest. But I, I mean, any club that gets Frank Ribery um, taking into account his age, um, I think he's going to be an asset because he's just a joy to watch mm-hmm. playing football.
1: I think the, uh, the sort of the the key denominator running through all of these players, Marley, is that they are, apart from Donnarumma, all over the age of thirty. So obviously the value kind of tends to depreciate once you reach uh, your mid thirties, particularly. But that doesn't. Mean that they can't make an impact in the Premier League if some clubs would be tempted to pick them up.
2: Yeah, I think um, you know if you've got uh, plenty of wages at your disposal, um, it'd be funny to just go and play a bit of football manager and just go and uh, go and take some of them in real life. Um, but yeah, that you know nobody's from that list is probably going to come to the Premier League, um, Messi included. I think the the big giveaway for for me with with the Messi thing was. Uh, was Aguero choosing Barcelona. I mean, Aguero and Messi are, are best friends. They wouldn't go to replace each other. You know, Aguero wouldn't go there to, to be Messi's replacement. He's going there to play with Leo Messi on a weekly basis. Um, mm. that is as obvious as the day is long for me. Um, so from then on, I know he's technically out of contract now. Um, I've sent an email to see if he wants to come play sevens with me next, uh, next Sunday. Um, so we'll see if he turns up in in uh, in Ashton <laughs> running rings around running running rings around those, but uh, probably not. Um, so yeah, it, you're too busy
1: playing five side with uh, Ravel Morrison. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm not doing that again. He absolutely skimmed me. Um, yeah, no, he's um, he, look, he's he's gonna sign a new contract, and and the rest of them will probably sign where they are. I think Chiellini, if he fancies carrying on playing, he'll probably stay where he is. Um, Ribery had a good season with Fiorentina last year. Um, they're pretty rubbish, but he's, he's well, they were last season, and he's really good. Um, so I think he's he's probably happy there to, to have another year. And you're probably going through them thinking if the ones don't um, stay with the current clubs, you probably look at them all going to America or something like that, and or Turkey, or one of these places that's almost become like a retirement league. So I can't see any of them popping up in the Premier League. Um, it's not quite the level of Thiago Silva going to... Going to Chelsea last year, but um, I mean, even Cavani—you yeah, could
1: say Cavani at Manchester United, who was, you know, in his thirties, and he, yeah. he's a player who's kind of come into the Premier League and adapted. I think there's a clamour to see some of these top stars in the Premier League. Everyone always levels it at Lionel Messi that he's never played in the Premier League so he can't be the best ever which is just like it's just so self-centred that isn't it I mean I don't think if he he doesn't come now and it's probably going to be Manchester City or Chelsea if he comes anywhere he's never going to come to the Premier League I think that if there's any option for him to come now it has to be now or never really Um, Manchester City were pretty close to signing him by all accounts Leon uh, in the January window but they've also been linked with Grealish and Kane and Haaland as we've already discussed Messi's obviously still well Class, But do you think someone like Grealish would be a better option than Lionel Messi? I know it will cost Manchester City a fee, but in terms of wages and his age and perhaps the mileage they'll be able to get out of him, and Grealish knows the league as well, it's hard to see beyond him as a better option than someone even as iconic in the game as Messi.
0: Yeah, well look, I mean, he's nearly 10 years as junior. So, you know, you're buying someone that's going to be at your club for a long time. And Jack Grealish proved it once again against Germany. Coming off the bench, probably a little bit annoyed to be left out because I thought he'd done exceptionally well against the Czech Republic. But he came on the bench, he showed his manager once again, you drop me, I'll come on and I'll change the game for you. Had a hand in both goals, particularly the fantastic assist for Harry Kane. But Grealish, to me, is going to be the number one kind of transfer target after this Euros. He's just growing in stature. The bigger the game, the bigger the occasion the more he rises to the challenge. And that's what you want from a top-drawer player. And if you're willing to pay, which I think Man City will be willing to pay for him, 100 million or whatever they're being talked about, Grealish will step up. I've no doubt in my mind, if he goes to Man City, he'll even improve as a player. He'll become a better player, which will be a benefit to England, and it will be a benefit to Manchester City. Jack Grealish has got absolutely everything, in my opinion, that you want from a footballer. can use both feet, is strong, can assist, can score, takes a lot of punishment, as Messi had right throughout his career. They always get back up. They're very seldom injured. I know Grealish was injured at the back end of last season, but look at his career throughout. He plays an awful lot of games, an awful lot of minutes, and I've just been so impressed with him on the international stage this summer. Whenever he's been asked to do something by Garrett Southgate, I think Jack Grealish has delivered, and delivered with aplomb.
1: Will Jack Grealish start for England against Ukraine on Saturday? We'll have to wait and see, but just a reminder of that Boyle Sports offer. £10, no lose bet on the England games during the Euros you can bet on any market and if your first bet of £10 loses that stake will be refunded into your account in the form of a free bet you can find more on the Boyle Sports app and Boyle Sports website 18 plus T's and C's apply bet responsibly be that's it for today's Football Social Daily cheers Marley cheers Leon cheers guys cheers guys thank you Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast. Again, we'll be focusing back on the Euros, I'm sure, very, very shortly. Huge game for England in the Euros. On Saturday, we'll also have a special podcast on Sunday, looking back at the night before. Hopefully for England fans, it will be safe progression through to the semi-finals. Or will Ukraine spring a surprise? As I say, make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss one. But we'll catch you next time here on Football Social Daily.